Hey there, this is Jonah with Gray Area. Welcome to our series Spotlight, where our mission is to build a bigger and more united house music community by sharing new and exciting artists, festivals, and event brands with you. In this interview, you'll hear from Max Chapman, label head of Resonance Records and a master DJ and producer. Be sure to like this video and subscribe for more interviews like this. We'll just get into it. Uh, you know, uh, what we're doing here, just, you know, give you a little background, obviously, you know, trying to profile you, your career, um, you know, showcase you to kind of our audience, which is a little more North American leaning. And then, you know, I think something else that just happens in these conversations is, you know, we're also having a bit of a discussion on just kind of like the scene in Europe and, you know, what's different there and, you know, also kind of contrasting it with the scene in, in the U.S. Um, so, Felt like you were a great candidate for this. And obviously, you know, you've been putting out great stuff for a while. Um, you know, one of the ways that I just like to start off in general is just having you tell our listeners where you're from and uh, what the scene was like for you growing up. The scene growing up as in life? Like how, house, music? Mu house music, you know, if, if there was any where you grew up, um, yeah, what your so experience with it was. So I'm Max Chapman. Um, I'm born and raised in Essex on the east coast of the UK, southeast coast. Um, basically been a beach boy my whole life. I've lived right up on the beach um, with absolutely no music scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the way I, f I first got into music was um, I was about... I'd say about 13 and I just had a, I just wanted to be able to mix basically, but I didn't know what I wanted to mix. I just liked the idea of DJing. And so I was buying these records, any old records I bought. I worked in a fish and chip shop when I was like 13 illegally, <laughs> saving up all my washing up money, my pot wash money. And I bought these decks and learned to mix, but, I soon got bored and I think that's because I didn't know what kind of music I liked and they just got pushed under the bed for a little while. And then about sort of four, four years, five years later, I started to like, I suppose it was more electro, um, but there was still nothing around. And the reason I got, uh, got into that was because I went around my friend Dave's house once and he was making music at his house and I just couldn't believe he was making music in his house. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> so um, that intrigued me. So I was like, right, what have you got here? What, what is this stuff? And he, I, he gave me a list of, of what the stuff was and I went and bought it. In fact, these are the speakers that I've got in my kitchen that I bought then. Wow. <laughs> Yamaha HS8s. Um, I spin that still, around. still slap, still go hard. Yeah. Like this, they have to be honest, they haven't been used that much, but um, I have upgraded the cones in the in uh, because I've, <laughs> I've welded them a little bit, <laughs> but yeah. So he gave me a list of everything, so, and I went and bought it. Um, I bought a laptop, I bought a MIDI keyboard, speakers, that kind of thing, and just I just started making music. And a couple of years later, I actually slacked a bit with it because I still didn't know where to go and then I went traveling to um Southeast Asia and Australia and I took my laptop and when I traveled that's where I realized that I started to like house music 
And that was what I ended up making. And then I started playing a few gigs in Australia. And then I came home and DJed in a little bar right on the beach until I basically got signed and started getting some bigger ones. So unfortunately, it's a rubbish story with a rubbish background. (laughs) Oh, man, that's great. That's great. (laughs) <laughs> I, every, I mean, everyone, everyone has this like different beginning. Right. And like, yeah, I think yeah. it's, it's been, it's been funny because with a lot of the people that I talk to, I feel like it often goes one of two ways. They're either, and a lot of you, a lot of the guys I have been interviewing are yeah. from the UK. So there's some comparisons here and people seem to either have lived near or in one of these big cities with a scene or they had absolutely nothing and it was just like a buddy you know who showed them what's up but as you mentioned um you know you kind of you got off to australia first do you have a memory of like the first time that you really dj'd to a a club or a party well i remember the first time that i really want thought to myself i love this is the music i want to do and i i just had the best night of my life and it was art department on a boat in Sydney Harbour. And I'd never, and it was their, their tune without you hadn't been out that, that long. And I, and I listened to them and I actually ended up, funnily enough, I was getting in a cab, an art department was sat on a curb and their driver hadn't turned up. So I said, you can jump in here if you want. And I gave them to a lift and they said, oh, come in the after party and I'll spend all night with them. But, I think that was what gave me the inspiration to um, to go and do it. And then I just got, a, I, did, I had like four or five gigs the whole time I was in Australia. And I'm sure they were pretty crap um, performances because I didn't really know what I was doing. I couldn't flow then, do you know what I mean? I didn't, couldn't read a crowd. But I learned that when I got home. Um, even though it was only a bar, you still learn these 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 things, that, you know, and you, and you um, gain experience. So, Yeah. But yeah, no one in my family's musical at all. So that's awesome. That's a crazy story, man. I, art department, <laughs> absolute legends. Anyone watching this, definitely go check them out. Like they've just been doing their thing for a long time. Um, you know, one of the things I think is interesting, like in this world, it's easy to think that you know, if you're a house or techno DJ, like that's everything for you musically. Uh, so I just like to ask, you know, are there any artists or genres of music? that you listen to kind of in your downtime that you think falls yeah. outside that realm? In fact, I listen to, I only listen to this. Um, if I'm walking the dog, if I'm driving, if I'm working, um, I'm currently building a studio at the minute as well. And that's all I've had on it, which is out there. I'm just building this myself. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Wow. Um, brand new studio in the garden i've been working on that today um and literally all i have in is bicep and for a forte and just really electronic breaky music and with a lot of emotion and feeling that's what i love to listen to before a set i will listen to um or, or coming up maybe on a friday if i'm having a beer i'll put i'll put uh, i like to find live sets that's where i like to find music because you get a real idea of what's going on there but um to be honest, it's, I mean, if I could find more artists like Bicep, I, that's all I would listen to, pretty much. Nice. <laughs> They're not yeah. my heroes. <laughs> um, you know, that's great listening to that before. Do you find that like that's ever, you know, obviously, and we'll, we'll get into this more, but, you know, I think your, your musical styles, you know, in a little bit of a different direction. 
do you ever find inspiration from those guys in terms mm, of your own yes. music? Yes, because when I was making Tech House, I just, um, I slowly started to, I suppose, mature and evolve and realize that my music was soulless and, 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 and dead, basically. <laughs> like, there was no, there was just no feeling to it and, uh, and now at the moment i'm using uh, some melodies and chords and i've never been more in love with my own sound so um those elements really needed to come in some more sort of um i don't know what the word is really J just a lot of uh, more melodic elements but i try to make them feel a little bit more em emotional whether it's joy or even sometimes a bit of, you know, sometimes a little bit of a different direction, like a little bit of, um, not sadness, but, you know, something that will make you feel like think, you know? Yeah, yeah I've actually absolutely. Got a, um, I've actually started another alias. I haven't, I'm not quite sure on the name yet, but it's more along those lines, um, the bicep -y sort of stuff. But, yeah, just, just adding more musical elements and more feeling to my records has, has been the, the uh the big change for me oh, I'm, it's fine i'm glad you brought that up because i mean and we'll we'll get into it more but it is something i noticed you know just kind of going through your music it felt like there were a couple different phases for you and you know especially recently mm. it seems like you know you, you've been able to kind of do whatever you want in the last year or so just like you know this is a tech house track this one's a little deeper but anyways We'll get into that. The last question I wanted to ask before I kind of dive into the music side of your career is mm -hmm. just uh, as somebody who's played, you know, all over the world, all types of venues, festivals, if you had to pick uh, a choice on like playing a festival, large kind of scale venue or an intimate club, what would it be for you? I would say a large club. I know that wasn't one of the options. <laughs> big, big venue that it falls right in. I'd I got say you. a large club. I would say like two to two and a half thousand in a club is is where I would feel most comfortable. Is there anyone like yeah. when I when you're when you're answering that question, is there a venue on the mind? I mean, I love I love playing in South America and pretty much every party is a it sort of fits that category. Um Lost Beach Club is probably my favourite place to play. Um, you could easily get like sort of 1,500, 2,000 in there on, on, in a, when it's full. I play, I've done the first ever boiler room for Ecuador there, actually. Um, and that was one of the best nights I've ever had DJ, and that was, that was full to the brim. And I think that's where it stems from, to be honest. But I do also like, I mean, it's brilliant to be on a, on a beach in, you know, in warm temperatures, but... Um, I also like a dark, dingy, warehousey space in, in usually a cold place like the UK. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, as, as long as it's indoors, as long as it's got a huge sound system, it's dark and there's lights. I'm I'm so happy. Yeah. Oh man, those are some of the best nights. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned Lost Beach because you know it's something I wanted to get into later, but I'll just ask you about it now. And it's you know funny. I, I I actually I wasn't really aware of it as a place or even that tuned in to kind of the scene in South America. And I was actually talking to to Josh Butler last week and he was mentioning he's like Lost Beach, Ecuador, my favorite venue in the world. And oh, really? you know, 
going through your stuff, obviously saw like you did this boiler room set. So I was just curious, like, how did that come about? Um, you know, how did um, you end up doing that? I just got booked at Lost Beach, but it just so happened it was going to be the, the first ever boiler room in Ecuador and obviously the first ever boiler room at Lost Beach Club. So literally people travelled from not just Ecuador, like everywhere in, in your surrounding areas in South America to come to this, this place. I couldn't believe it. Because Montanita is quite a small... I wouldn't be able to tell you the population, but it is tiny, the, the place where the club is. It's so small. It's a little surfer town in Ecuador, and it's just, it, it's tiny. But the, the, the people come from Guayaquil, which is like about two and a half hours, three hours drive, and, not, and, and beyond, because that's like the closest city. It's like a two and a half hour, three hour drive of just like a, of a single windy road. And these wow. people travel it nonstop. I don't even know where they sleep because <laughs> there's not enough accommodation. <laughs> if they sleep. Oh, yeah, I guess I guess you play a long enough set, they don't have to, right? <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully um, they're promoting safe driving after. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I wanted to, you know, go back to kind of some of the earlier days. Obviously, as you mentioned, you know, you felt like, your style and kind of skill has, you know, of course progressed and gotten better over time, but you know, some of your earlier music all the way back to like the rhythm stick, the lost EP mm-hmm. hot cakes, you know, kind of like 2011 2012, you know, it was definitely a little on the deeper, more hypnotic style. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned like bicep and art department and those guys, is that who you were drawing inspiration from at the time? My inspiration for, for instance, hotcakes was definitely, ah, um, oh, what did they used to call themselves? Hot natured. Okay. Um, you know, like forward motion and and that sort of era. Um, but I, but I like, but they were very sort of um, connected at the time. Art department, Jamie Jones, Lee Foss, they were all sort of connected at that time, and. I'm not really sure where that style came because I had a style for at first, which I think made me stand out. That's what I thought thought it was, and it was what that I would I would create a very simple bass line, but then I'd slap it up an octave quite a lot in between, like the bass line on "Don't Go," like the bass line on "Rhythm Stick." So that was what I started to do, and. I suppose I eventually got bored of doing that or maybe I got inspired by something else. But um, it was a very, very fun time making music around that time. But now I listen back and I just, uh, it's awful. But we all have to start somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the, the one of the next ones you put out was the, the Jack and the Beans and yeah. you, you dropped it on Resonance, which if I'm not mistaken is your own label, right? Yeah. And I, I thought it was interesting. Wow, you've, obviously, been, you've been doing your research, man. <laughs> oh, we got it, man. <laughs> that's how we that's how we do it here. We like to go back from the start. Um yeah. you know, I thought I just thought for someone who is, you know, objectively like more at the beginning of your career to just start a label, you know, what was the thought process mm. behind oh, that? Man, I've always been this kind of person. I just I, if I get an idea, I'll just do it. And if it fails, it fails. But I like to have a go at things I want to do. And so many people told me not to do that. Most of the other DJs were like, you can't start a label. You've only been, I mean, I think I started that label about six months after my first release. Yeah. Like, 
And I was just like, you know, I want to, I want to start a label. To be honest, it's probably a little bit more common now to do that. A lot of people want that head start, and with that platform, you can, you know, if you've got a little bit of backing behind you or a bit of money behind you, then just having that label enables you to be able to not only release, but then use promo pools and and uh, promo companies and, you know, distribution uh, and DJs are receiving your promos. They're then playing it out. Radio DJs are getting them just for a couple of hundred, 300 quid a release. So it is a good way to expose yourself in the early stages. Back then, that wasn't the case. I just started it because... I fancied it. <laughs> like, I didn't even know about sending promo out to artists for about a year. <laughs> I was just releasing stuff for the fun of it. Hey, that's good, man. I mean, you get started early. It's funny because I feel like now, like, obviously, you've had years and years now to build on it and improve it. Uh, you know, one of the next kind of things I wanted to touch on uh, was just I wanted to ask you about Left Wing and Cody. I think that they're, you know, I think they're one of these duos who like have been around for a really long time and have just like put out so much music, but for whatever reason, like maybe fly under the radar a little, at least in the US. Um, you know, you've collaborated with them early on recently. You've released music with their label. I was just wondering, you know, what that relationship was like and how you met them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I first started making music, um, if I remember rightly, in 2010-ish, they they had just come out of making progressive stuff and gone into more of a garagey sort of era. Um, and they stayed in that for a... And then I sort of joined them on that because I have a, quite a big garage background, especially from where I'm from. Essex, London area is very, it's, it's a huge part of our culture here. Garage, we just can't help but but like garage. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, when I used to make music and send it to them, and they used to turn they turned me down plenty of times. <laughs> Um, but ever since we started talking, we've been really good mates. We play Call of Duty together every day. <laughs> wow. Like, literally, we still talk to each other all the time. They've gone on a different path now. I mean, they've both got kids. They've been touring for a very long time, a very long time. John is an extremely talented um, producer and mastering engineer. And um, Chris, just as much a producer... But he's very, um, he's also got such a good si uh, business side of things. He can run the labels with his eyes closed. And they were a, they were a really great duo. Um, but I think with the kids and stuff now and touring for so long, I think they've now gone, you know, they've gone down a different route. They're making, but the, the route they're going down now is really hitting off. They're making some big waves in the some some more of the commercial side of house so i'm making some pretty good money i believe so um yeah hats off to them for that nice that's awesome um you know i think as again as you mentioned like you have this progression and you know maybe you don't look at it like this but i felt like going through all your music it felt like a kind of next phase of your career maybe started around like 2015, 2016. Um, 
you put out yeah. you put out a bunch of music then like i thought you know the impact ep and danger was really awesome and then you dropped uh get freaky in 2016 on elro music and you know if i you know it seemed like your music was getting a little more complex kind of picking up the pace a little more synths you know going mm. a little deeper onto that four on the floor sound uh as mm. i think you said you know you shifted a little more into the tech house world was there kind of anything new influencing you at this time or like what kind of pushed um, you in that direction? I think it, around that time, it was more about what was going on when I was out DJing myself. It was more about what I was hearing. I actually think that it was probably, probably one of the worst times for music <laughs> in a class. <laughs> <laughs> like, like when I go back now and listen to that kind of music, I just think, oh god, I don't know. It it just seems really boring to me and soulless. But at the time, I remember I used to love it. I used to absolutely love it, and so did everyone else on the dance floor. And I suppose it's just a phase. But personally, for me, that tech house phase is probably um, probably my most disliked. I would, I would say. But as I said at the time. I loved it. I think the I think the real change for me was when I first started properly going to Ibiza, going to um, Amnesia was the club that really changed me, and that's where I got the idea for La Fiesta. I heard like a South American or or Spanish vocal being played over like a tech housey tune um, at Music On and I thought I'm going to go and make something like that and I went and made La Fiesta in like three hours and Jamie Jones signed it to Creations and I think since then I took a little bit more time on my music I tried to be a bit more um, focused in on production rather than just and, and quality rather than just slamming out loads of quantity basically yeah no, absolutely man I mean you know it's like you started hitting on these labels and I think, you know, in, in one year and a year and a half, you're releasing with like tool room, hot creations revealed. Uh, I'm glad you uh, brought up La Fiesta cause I wanted to ask you about it. Like, you know, mm. I think it's one of your most known songs. Yeah. I it's, per I think it's personally, definitely. personally, I'm just a huge fan of that sound, like kind of anything that has a Latin vibe to it. I'm, like, yeah. I'm all over it. Um, as you mentioned, you know, Amnesia, Ibiza, uh, you know, for our audience, which, you know, the North American listeners, I think Ibiza is like the one place that everyone knows about, but I don't think people necessarily understand kind of what's so special about it. And so I'm wondering, can you just strange. tell us? Um, it's so strange. I don't know what it is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it starts with the air that you breathe in when you walk off the plane and then it's just, that's it. <laughs> you get you you breathe that little bit of air in when you get on the bus to the airport you get through the airport you come out and it's just like it's a different heat there there is i know it sounds cliche but there's definitely something about that place man definitely no. when you, you you feel you feel the music and you feel the, the just the moment so much better than you would in, a, in in another club in in another place. It just it's very strange, um, but it definitely it definitely has something. They say it's Espedra. I'm not convinced, but <laughs> oh boy, no. I, I mean, the way you phrase it is how I think a lot of people who I ask about it say that, and 
it really is one of these places that I think like until you go yourself, it's hard to really understand like what's so awesome about it. Uh, I know mm-hmm. like for me, for me at least like getting off the plane and I'm just like, Oh, the billboards are advertising Carl Cox and Jamie Jones. I was like, this is a place that I want to be at. Um, mm-hmm. When did you kind of first start playing there? And do you have, um, I know you mentioned amnesia, but do you remember like kind of who yeah. you were watching that was yeah. influencing you? Yeah, definitely. So um, when I released Don't Go, which was my first ever release, um, I was in, where was I? I went to Park Life in Manchester and um, I'd written those tracks. I'd written Don't Go, I think it was Lost, a couple of other tracks, can't remember what's on the EP now. Um, and I went to Sankey's and I lost the CD. that I had a load of CDs and I lost them. And I went to the after party at Sankey's and, and this guy found them who, who owned the late electronic label it come out on. He put them on. My phone number was on it. He rang me, said he signed all of them. <laughs> and he used to and he used to do parties at Sankey's, which is like one of the best clubs in the UK. And um, two weeks later, Pete Tong played it on Radio One. And then two weeks after that, I, my first ever gig in a club, like a, that wasn't like a shit bar. Um, I was in the main room at Sankey's. <laughs> and then that was it. My career started actually started in Manchester. I, I was playing in Manchester every month, like. And then I slowly crept into London and and it went from there. Um, I did actually, I, I've forgotten what you said, what the question was and I was going to lead on to it from that. <laughs> oh, no, I was just saying like, you know, what once, you know, you get you start kind of getting established and you're getting these shows, but then as you mentioned, like you're in a oh, visa, you're hearing so, this sound. Yeah. So I got that gig at Sankey's and I started playing at the at Sankey's often and, and in Manchester often. And then obviously Sankey's, which is now Octan, was in um, Ibiza. So Nick Yates, I met Nick through playing in Manchester who runs Paradise and Soco Loco and stuff like that. And he's just launched, also launched a really cool brand called Unknown ID, Unknown ID which is like a music platform for um, sort of unreleased music. You can only get there, sort of limited edition stuff. And anyway, him and Nick, uh, him and Lee just started putting me on lineups at Sankey's in Ibiza. And then that sort of crept me into there as well. So I, I actually have quite a lot of um, a thanks to give to to them two boys because they they kind of helped me push on now. And Nick's the person that still books me at DC10 for Paradise and, you know, along with Jamie's stamp of approval. But... Um, yeah, he, he still does a lot for me. So I, I've got a uh, lot to thank for that. And that's probably where, you know, without them boys, and especially without my manager, Lee, helping me on the, you know, when I finally got somewhere, helping me progress. Um, yeah, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be anyone really. I mean, there's only so much, there's only so much you can do on your own, making music. Yeah. You need a team behind you, you know? No, definitely. I, I think it's something that's like easy from a fan perspective to like not understand, you know, yeah. how much work goes in. Like you, you can make the most amazing track, but when you're just sending out music to like demo emails, you know, they're getting mm-hmm. thousands of submissions. It's so hard to get discovered. I'm just curious. I got to ask, do you have a favorite city to play in, in the UK? 
In the UK, yeah, Manchester, 100%. Hands down. 100%. What's, what's I, 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 just, I love Manchester. For, if I didn't live, if I, was gonna, if I wasn't a, a, a boy that wanted to be by the sea, Manchester would be my next stop, 100%. What, um, what's, uh, do, you have a, do you have a favorite football club? I support West Ham. <laughs> great, they're great crap. season. They've, they've uh, this is a good year. Good season, but they used. I, I used to support. I, I, I think the last time I watched them was um, like put like for a full season. Harry Redknapp was there, and when I used to love Harry Redknapp, um, and that oh, mate, that's got that's years ago, 15, 16, 17 years ago, and I and I just went and started playing rugby because I thought these guys are tarts. <laughs> <laughs> They, they, you can blow at them and they fall over. Yeah, man, it's a little crazy <laughs> these days. Like, I've been watching. I've been tuned in on like the last couple of rounds of the Champions League, and like some of the, like the team, they're so skilled. But like, you watch Neymar just go flying like every oh, three minutes. And I'm just like, come worst, on, man. man. He's the worst. They should deduct him half his wages every time he does that. He's, yeah, he's man, definitely not. It sucks. Diving He's so talented. Should be a too, lot more, it should be a more of a serious penalty to dive. It's, it's just cheat. It's cheating. Yeah. No, I, I definitely. So, you know, as, as you kind of mentioned, like you feel personally, like recently your sound is finally in a place that you want it to be. You know, I, I, I felt like, mm, I felt so like far. listening to kind of the last year, year and a half of your releases or like a lot of, a lot of stuff in 2020, it was interesting because whether it was like the Formanto or Gibby with Hot Tracks, um, Love Control, the Dusky P, I felt like you're really kind of showcasing your versatility as a producer. And so I'm wondering, you know, for you, what it's been like in the last kind of two years. Um, and, you know, now that you're obviously a little more established, do you feel like I can just go in here and make whatever I want? Um, I I think... Um... I think a lot of that is to do with the, I didn't, it's not just trying to showcase versatility. It's like, I didn't know where to, what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know what direction to go in. But um, I actually, I actually sort of found a new love for making music while doing that. You can hear in like my, in my Dusky P, for example, you can hear like, there's quite a lot of emotion in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that I loved, like I love making that because just I used a free a Roland three hundred three for the main hook, main uh, lead, and just like it's such a raw clubby sound when you hear it on its own. And I just had the three hundred three on random. So what I done was I put the three hundred three on random, press record, recorded like six, eight or sixteen bars of it, stopped it chucked it through Melodyne to see what key it was, moved it around so it was all perfect. And then I wrote over it. But it's mad how you can take such a raw, clubby-sounding machine, add, add some other elements of um, uh, some more synths, for instance, and, that, and it just adds so much emotion when you start putting those together. And oh, I just love doing it, man. That's all I want to do is just have in my new studio. I'm just going to have all my synths set up, and I'm just going to jam properly. I've never been able to do that. I've never been able to have everything set up, sort of middied up and timed, and and 
it just basically set up properly you through lack of knowledge for it really i've tried so many times but i just want to play as if i, I want to be, when i make music i want to do it as if i'm playing live you know yeah. and really feel that emotion absolutely um is that something that you think like going forward would you ever want to have a live 100 yeah i really would the only thing that worries me is i don't want to do it on my own <laughs> it's really tough to do it on your own i i would love to be able to to find somebody that had a a similar um a similar sort of love for that kind of music but also a, uh, we would have to be kind of in tune and make a similar have a similar sort of background a similar sort of um way of looking at these things because sometimes you can tread on each other's toes but i would really like to do it with someone else i don't i don't personally like the travel with touring and stuff i love getting there i love you know chilling out on a beach or waiting for my gig or being at the gig but i don't like the bit on my own in between you know so it'd be nicer if i'm going to do a new project with a lot more experience which i think will actually end up being hopefully it's my dream to do it so it would hopefully be a bigger project than what i have now but i would like to share it with someone it would be nice yeah definitely i you know i'm curious just now that you're almost a decade into having your own label exactly. yeah, how decade. do you how do you how do you decide on when you're releasing your own music whether you want to put it out yourself or go somewhere else um personally i like to put it on my own label because number one it gets my label out there and number two quite often i find that people don't work as hard as if it's you doing it if you know what i mean a lot of the time I've released stuff. I mean, there's certain labels I won't make mention any names, but I've had like huge records and they've done nothing because they just didn't promote them properly or get behind them. And, I, and at least I know it's up to me. And if that doesn't happen, then it's only myself to blame. And I mean, you'd, it just helps the label grow at the end of the day. We've, we've just actually had three back-to-back -back number ones on Beatport in three releases. I'm hoping we've got myself and George Schmedels have got uh, one out on Friday. And if we get, if we can manage to get that one, then it's four in a row. That would be amazing, <laughs> man. That one's called Together, so go and buy it. Together. <laughs> uh, wow. Oh, that's great. I'm looking, looking forward to hear that. We'll make sure to plug it. I think we're going to put this interview out next week. So we'll make sure to uh, put that on the socials, man. Um, yeah, Beatport is the, the exclusive for the club mix. Hell yeah. Um, you know, as, as I just want to finish up here, uh, I just, you know, I, you mentioned that single, uh, I think release wise, it's been a little quiet for you this year. Obviously now we know, you know, you're building out the studio. Um, what's 2021 look like for you? Do you know, it's not, it's not just the, the my studio for the last two years, I've actually built this house from scratch. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's mate, it's been the toughest time of my life. <laughs> but I literally started building this house um, in when was it? It's about two years ago, about around about two years ago, and um, basically I was like six months in. Um, no, it's a bit less than two years. About eighteen months ago. I was about six months in and then the pandemic happened and I had no income. Oh, it's been, it, honestly, it's been the the bane of my life, this bloody place. But um, 
I'm it's finished now, and I'm I've just got to get this is my last hurdle out there the studio, and then once that's done. I haven't got to work on anything. I haven't got to tile anything. I haven't got to do anything. I can just make music, make music, make music, make music, and that's it. I mean, I haven't, I've, I've been having to go to the studio in the evening, um, sort of ticking off chores that I need to do or snags or, you know, things for the house. But I'm, I'm just so excited to get everything done and just not have to do any of that anymore. So especially with... Um, working as well because i've had to you know at one point i was actually um working for woodland studios engineering for people um you know doing a lot of master classes and i've even you know got on, on the tools a few times at home here because it's been seriously tough times so to be able to stop doing that not having to focus on this house anymore and just have all of my focus and no worries just all music is going to be amazing and I, and I think it's probably going to um, have a huge effect on my career I hope Awesome, well I'm really looking forward to seeing the fruits <clears throat> of that labor man and congratulations on the Thank house you. hopefully uh, any any plans to come to the States anytime soon? Yes, so um, unfortunately my visa run out in September um, funnily enough John, John from Left Wing Cody's just whatsapp me <laughs> um, uh, yeah so uh september october i believe my is when i'm going to be hopefully coming out my visa ran out in september 2020 unfortunately um and um, we, we couldn't get any sort of um we tried to get that time made back up uh when we came out of the pandemic but unfortunately um i don't think there's anything in place for that so we've had to start from scratch rebuy the visa, which has cost, you know, as, as you know, costs thousands. So that's another load of money I've had to find. Um, but yeah, we've done it. It's all in motion. Um, it's paid for. And we're just literally waiting to get it back now. But there is a bit of a queue um, for um, like a bit of an admin queue. So as soon as that's over, we're going straight to the States. And I'm going to stay there for a long time. I'm hopefully going to do like a... Uh, sort of four to six week tour I'd like to do um, I'd like oh, to get awesome. as much as possible it's just it's been so long and it's one of my favourite places to play number one but it's always nice to, to, to go somewhere where everybody speaks English um, number two it's just such a vast country full of so, so many different landscapes I love I love it so much I actually spent my 30th birthday driving around California in a, in a camper for two weeks um, I love it. I just can't wait to get back. Uh, every 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 single coast I love, north, south, just everything. <laughs> That's awesome, man. No, I, I, it's it's really great. Like there's, and the, I think each city has a unique vibe. And then obviously, you know, the nature piece of it is really special. Uh, I'm in New York, so hopefully we'll see you here soon. Uh, mm. That's all I got for you, man. But really appreciate the time and uh, wicked man. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll be able to um, meet up in New York very soon. Absolutely. I look forward to it, man. Wicked, man. All right. You have a good Cheers, one. Cheers, bro. Thanks, brother. Thanks. 